Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. I'm Rick Archer. Buddha at the Gas Pump is an ongoing series of conversations with spiritually awakening people. We've done uh, over 560 of them now. And if this is new to you and you'd like to check out previous ones, please go to batgap.com, B-A-T-G-A-P, and look under the past interviews menu where you'll see them all organized in several different ways. This program is made possible through the support of appreciative listeners and viewers. So if you appreciate it and would like to help support it, there's a PayPal button on every page of batgap.com. And there's also a page of options for people who don't like to use PayPal. My guest today is Gabrielle Orr. I'll just read a short bio of her. After earning a degree in social work in Germany, Gabrielle worked for several years with mentally disadvantaged children and coma patients. Her responsibilities included providing guidance as a life counselor for her clients and their families. Today, Reverend Gabrielle Orr is a certified Akashic record teacher and consultant, healing touch practitioner, Reiki master, body talk practitioner, EFT practitioner, massage therapist, and feng shui consultant. She teaches, I bet you don't do any of those things anymore except for the Akashic records, right? Actually, I do it for myself. Okay, good. But you teach Akashic Record classes and retreats internationally. You've been doing that since 2002, so 18 years. And you focus on inspiring and uplifting others as a motivational speaker and spiritual guide. Yes. So let's plunge right in. Let me start by asking what Akasha is. And from that, what are the Akashic Records? Well, for every question like that, you get several answers because one answers for the mind and the other one is for the spiritual aspect, okay? So Akasha means ether or energy field, if I would translate it like that, which means it is an energy field that you can imagine like a spider web. Everything is connected in that field. Matrix Mm -hmm. would be another word. Indra's net. Have you ever heard the term Indra's net? Yes, yes. Everything is connected on this Mm -hmm. field. Akashic Records is a source that is interactive. It communicates with us and um, we can communicate with it. And it gives us advice, information in regard to our soul development. So not necessarily just for our human experience, but for our soul development. I think I quoted from your book here, it says that this field of the Akashic Records is the basins and essence of all things. Is that correct. fair to say? It is correct. I mean, I don't know if it's correct, but to me it is correct. You know, I'm not a scientist. It is that energy field out of which everything else has come. In science, they explain it like that before our universe was created, everything was in a tiny little pea, like a pea-sized atom. And that exploded. And then our universe got created, which means the Milky Ways, Earth, everything, you know, what we know today. And science says that this field of the Akashic Records existed before this explosion, which yes. means there's intelligence behind it. I'm not so quite sure science would say that, but science would probably say that there is a unified field. That would be their term for it, rather than they probably wouldn't say Akashic Records, oh, but no. they would say a unified field 
which is probably synonymous, maybe, with the Akashic field that you're referring to, if not, correct me, and that everything emerged from that unified field. The only scientist I've ever heard using the word Akashic Records is Evan Laszlo. I don't know uh -huh. if you've ever heard of him. Oh, yeah. I think you're correct in that way that they just use different terms for it. Oh, you know, another, I don't know if he's a scientist or, the, or is counted as a scientist, Greg Braden. Sure. Yeah, I think um, he's a geologist originally, yes. but he talks, he talks about these about, things. He talks about that too, and he calls it the field. Or Lynn McTaggart in her mm -hmm. book, The Field. So they are all using different words. I use the word Akashic Records because I'm familiar with it. I don't differentiate. But yeah, if you want to be totally correct, probably Akashic Records is not the term that the scientists would use. But, you know, I've taken some, as a layman, I've taken physics courses and all. I'm sure you've read books and taken things too. And there is this general understanding that the deeper we go into nature's mechanics, the more universal the fields and forces we encounter. And at one point, it gets down to four fundamental forces. And then even, and they've unified a couple of those. And physicists theorize that those four ultimately could be resolved into a single unified field. And I think that's what perhaps we're, we're talking about here, but that's just their terminology. I talk in my book, um, Let Miracles Happen, mm -hmm. about the pro and cons of science and the spirituality and how they try to find a common ground. I like that chapter. I read that chapter. Yeah. And I take it down all the way to the end of it. And really at the end of it, scientists cannot prove their theories And the philosophers cannot prove their theories either. Right. So it's really up to what you want to believe at the end of the day. Yeah, we could say that. <laughs> we'll get back to that topic in a while because I want to talk about what, you know, what's real versus what we believe. Let me, let me say it like this. I cannot prove scientific facts to you. What mm -hmm. I can talk about is what I'm experiencing when I work with the Akashic Records and the experiences I had in relationship to clients and the Akashic Records. Mm -hmm. So I can talk about that. And for me, if I experience it, if I feel it, if I see the effects of it, that has for me more value than if I read a scientific book that explains it to my logical mind. Sure. And um, I think an important point here that you've alluded to already is that whereas scientists might give an inanimate or insentient connotation to their discussion of the unified field or the deeper mechanics of nature. But what you're saying, which I agree with wholeheartedly, is that it's intelligent. It's a field of intelligence and that they're actually intelligent, we could say, entities or impulses residing within that field. I think that's exciting. In fact, I want to just read you a verse from the Rig Veda I won't burden you with the Sanskrit, which I wouldn't be able to pronounce anyway, but <laughs> the English verse, I think you'll like this. It says that the impulses of intelligence, or the devas, they call them, which are responsible for the manifestation and orchestration of the entire universe, reside in the transcendental akasha. They reside in that fundamental field. And then the verse goes on to say that if you don't know that field, what can those impulses of intelligence accomplish for you? 
if you do know that field, they can accomplish a whole lot. So that's a very loose translation, but this is an ancient knowledge that, that such a field exists and that it's a field of pure intelligence and that there are impulses or conscious entities within that field and that we can enlist their cooperation and support. Mm-hmm. And even there, I would go for myself a step mm-hmm. further mm-hmm. and I say intellect is for me not the correct description. I would really call it love. The energy that comes through there is feels just, it fills you up with love and it changes your cellular structure in the sense of that pain disappears, mm-hmm. um, that you see things from a different perspective in, a, in an easy and loving way. And um, that is really, that is the description that I would give of my work with the Akashic Records. Yeah, it's great. That's kind of the human experience of the interaction with that field. In fact, there's a, there's a saying in the, another saying, which is that contact with Brahman, which is the totality, is infinite joy. Now, one phrase I heard you use a lot is your own Akashic records. It makes it sound like we each have our own set of records, but then we've just been discussing that this is a universal field. So how do you reconcile those two ideas? I'll just use you as an example in a in a broad way, okay? Mm-hmm. If I talk about my Akashic records, I would talk about, I call them masters and teachers, entities. They are responding to my imprint, my soul experience. That's yeah. why they're my Akashic records. If I talk to them about you, or and then they're talking about your experiences, your soul imprint, your development, then I would probably say your Akashic records and not just the Akashic records. Think of it like you have a library, okay? And you have a question. For specific questions, you pick one book or one chapter, but it's still one library. It's still one source of information where it all comes from. And then humans tend to put it into books or into chapters or things like that. But it's still all one. That's why my first book is called One True Love, because Uh it's all one. But the human language itself doesn't allow me to make these subtle um, distinctions if I want to express something in a different way. So I guess that's why I'm using my Akashic Records. Okay totally different entities or different source connected then to you. Yeah. So you could say that the Akashic records are like one infinite repository of all knowledge and all information and so on. But that as we each access them, we access that which is pertinent to our lives. And so in that sense, we could say it's my Akashic records. Is that right? Correct. All right. Like the library down the the street here from where I live, it has a lot of books in it. And I could go and check out any particular book. It's not necessarily my library, but I can get any information I want that is interesting to me. (laughs) They are laughing. They are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad they have a sense of humor. (laughs) They have a great sense of humor. They're saying you are both correct. I mean, you and I were both correct. We are Uh understanding it correctly, but also we have to understand. As our awareness broadens, we will have a different perception of them. Of whom? Of the Akashic Records? 
of the Akashic Records. So yes. the more we evolve, the more we understand, the more our understanding of them will change or adjust. It doesn't mean that it is wrong. It just means that in different classrooms, you get taught different things, but they are all correct. They just build up onto each other. Sure, that's true of so many things. I mean, if we start studying arithmetic and mathematics and so on, as we learn more and more, it doesn't invalidate the things we already learned. Those provide a foundation for the next thing. So what they're trying to say is, yes, be happy with this interpretation of who we are, but Mm -hmm. don't put it into stone because it will change for you again. Yeah, good. You mentioned also you refer a lot to the masters and teachers in the Akashic Records. Are they like librarians in a way who, since we've used the library metaphor, who intermediate between the informational field of the Akashic Records and our particular needs or requests? Mm. They're intermediaries in a way. They intercede in a way. Let's say it like this. There are entities that have a very high vibrational level and they are here to serve us, to help us, to elevate us, to let us feel love or to accommodate us in whatever we are experiencing on a human level. So when I say that, I want to go a little bit further out, like Us as human beings, most human beings run around and think this is 100% of who they are. But it is like 30% of who we are and 70% is somewhere on on an energetic level out there or even maybe around us. So they're saying that they don't want us to think of them in human form, like that they have a human face. We can imagine them them like that if it helps us to make the connection, mm-hmm. but that would not be correct. Good. Incidentally, as we go along here, I've noticed several times you've looked up and tapped in, and so yeah, you're, yeah. you're accessing yeah. the Akashic Records during this interview. I do, yes. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't know how to answer your questions without them. And uh-huh. there's nothing there. It just helps me to focus because there is a wall and nothing on it. Yeah, so. not looking at my beautiful face. <laughs> how does what you're doing and what people whom you teach do how does that compare with channeling and of course probably there's different types of channeling but in general what people understand to be channeling and i've had some channelers on this show how does it compare i mean if i understand channeling correctly it means you're receiving information from a different source through you and you pass it on and that's Mm -hmm. what we're doing in the akashic records Usually uh, when I spoke to channelers, they feel that they're channeling some specific entity like Daryl Anka channels Bashar and somebody else channels Mary Magdalene or whatever. But, you know, this is a little different. There are a number of masters and teachers, but through them or by means of their help, you're contacting a field of all knowledge, really. And there could be all kinds of things in there that one could potentially discover or explore whereas a specific entity might have limited repertoire, so to say. This is totally correct. 
Now, I personally very open-minded and I don't know why I have always been this open-minded with this source. Mm -hmm. So I've never looked for one specific entity other than to experiment. Okay. Like, um, but for clients, I've had several times, many times where they are asking a question and um, the answer comes through and they're showing me Jesus. And then I tell the client, I see they're showing me the image of Jesus, but it means something to the client. Yeah. So they're feeling like, oh yeah, I have a picture of Jesus on my altar, or I believe in Sai Baba or whatever it would be, whatever entity it would be. So they are using whatever energy or symbol or language they can choose to get a specific energetic vibration through to whoever wants to talk to them. People have a chosen ideal, obviously, and very often I think it helps if they're shown information that is in the likeness of their chosen ideal because they can relate to it, right? They feel comfortable with it. Yes, and sometimes they're showing it so the other person can believe more in the message. Right. How can she know that? And then they're like, oh, okay, now the resistance falls away. The, you know, the pushing against something is being released and then they can relax and they can actually hear the real message because the other thing is really not this important. So you might not even know in a particular case that the person has a, an affinity for Jesus but nonetheless, the image of Jesus comes to you. You don't come up with a, an image of Buddha for that person. Correct. Yeah. You mentioned that um, because of our interconnectedness with all life, we can tap into the realm of the Akashic Records and retrieve information about any given subject. Um, now, if we take that literally, it opens up a huge realm of possibilities i mean obviously a person hey can i uh, win in las vegas if i do this or can i solve um, some scientific conundrum that has stumped all the greatest scientists and get the nobel prize for having done so and so on so there must be some kind of limitation on the word any that you can get information on any given subject so I, I give you a few examples from uh -huh. real clients and readings, okay? I remember one client, she asked for the lottery numbers. Yeah. And the answer of the Kashik Records, they gave her the numbers and then she wrote them down. And then they said, but she didn't ask for what week in which state. Ah. So, and so you have then to be very specific. No, no, it's a joke. Oh, like it's a they're, joke. Having, they're having fun with the person. <laughs> like, so if they are, if let's say a client asks a question like that, the masters and teachers, and that is the difference, which probably some people have a little bit of a problem sometimes. Humans often ask questions in regard to their human experience. And they have a way of turning it around for their soul development. So I get an answer from them back and they say, that's not a good question to ask. Or a better question for this client to ask is, why do they have such extreme anxiety and can't sleep at night? Because they want to win the lottery because in their mind, it will make them feel safe, for example, mm -hmm. if they have more money. So they turn it around into something that will actually really serve this person. Doesn't mean that they still won't get the money or receive the lottery win. 
and sometimes surprisingly they really answer questions in regard to very human experiences like which house should I buy or things like that but then they are showing me okay if you choose this property you're you it's let me say it like this this is how they're saying it the choice doesn't matter what matters is who are you becoming in the process of it yeah so in other words it's not so important whether you get this house or that house or perhaps this partner or that partner or something, although obviously there would be certain criteria you'd want to fulfill. But the most important thing, which is which thing is going to be most conducive to your evolution? That's what you're saying. Yes. Which choice will help you to ultimately come closer to love? Yeah. And this thing about the lottery numbers, I mean, to paraphrase the Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want, but you get what you need, right? So you could want all kinds of crazy things that you would be better off not having, and they're not going to give you that. I think it's a proven thing that the most lottery winners are poorer one year after they won the money than they were before because their energy level can't hold all of a sudden that prosperity. They lose their lives sometimes. Yeah, going back to that, what they are used. So it, it's not happiness or wealth. Wealth is wonderful if it creates peace for you, if it creates freedom for you, choices for you. So with that wealth or the desire to get that prosperity, a lot of other emotions would have to adjust for you to really be wealthy. Someone said... Um... Lotteries are taxes on the arithmetically challenged because <laughs> the odds of winning are, you know, you have a much better chance of getting struck by lightning. But this thing about being able to access any information, I mean, have you seen examples where there's something they couldn't possibly have known that they end up getting and it turns out to be true? Yes, I've seen that. And I've also seen where they ask, where we ask questions and we don't get answers. But give us an example or two of situations where somebody asked a question about something that they couldn't possibly have known and it turned out to be true and it was later verified as true. Oh, I can give you so many examples. There was one time we asked a question in a seminar in Germany and <laughs> I taught this class with a friend of mine. So he would do the organizations and I would teach the class And I never asked him to share an answer. And in this particular day, I said, can you share your answer, Nico? And then he was talking about that they talked to him about galaxies and they gave him specific numbers of vibration and he did not know what to do with that. So we Googled it and it matched. And we were really excited about that. I give you another example where it includes the process of the client a little bit more, okay? I had a client and she had in her youth, she was a mother of three and she had some issues like addiction issues, okay? And um, so she lost the right to have these children and the father moved away with the children because he wanted to provide a nice life for the children. And then 20 years forward, the mother was clean. She had her life in order and she wanted to connect with these children again 
to let them know that she didn't mean to abandon them. Uh, she, it wasn't that she wanted anything for them. She just mm -hmm. wanted them to know I always loved you. And the only reason why I wasn't in your life is because I didn't love myself. So the question was um, to the Akashic Records, where do they live? How can I contact them? And first I didn't get any answers because nobody knew where they had moved to. And then the masters and teachers said, go back to where the grandparents, so the parents of the father live or used to live and look into the habituary and there you will find the names of the children and the address where they live. And so later on, I asked the Akashic Records why they not just gave her the answer right away, straightforward. And they said she still had to do some emotional work. She still had to go through her own process of really being ready to communicate with these children again. Hmm. So many times it's not just... Um, oh, I don't want to give you the answer, but it's more like, what do you have to do first in order to get to that energetic level to be ready to receive that gift? I hope that makes sense. Um, no, it does. It does. You refer a lot to the eighth chakra, and um, I've heard of there being higher chakras than the, the ordinary seven. Maybe there's even more than eight. I don't, you can tell us. Where did this knowledge of the eighth chakra come from? Is, it, is that some traditional knowledge that you've picked up? And also traditionally, it's thought that enlightenment doesn't dawn until all seven chakras are purified and awakened. Are you saying that people can access the eighth chakra without having awakened and fully enlivened all the other seven? Well, a lot of questions. So I know <laughs> of 13 chakras, there might be more. A good source to look up these things would be any book by Barbara Brennan. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with her work, Hands yes. Up the State or so. She used to be a NASA scientist, and now she has some really cool schools, and she, you can get a master degree in metaphysical healing there with her. So anything on Barbara Brennan would give you information about that. The eighth chakra, I mean, I didn't come up with that. It was passed on to me like that. Mm -hmm. The reason why I talk about the eighth chakra is because when I go in the Akashic Records, I feel it there. You feel like and that's what about, you're accessing, yeah. It's like about like half a foot to a foot above your head. Uh -huh. And um, it's like what you would see in church pictures as the halo ah, on, yeah. on saints, okay? Are you familiar with heart mass? Yes, um, I had my heart math thing tested one time by, um, I forget her name, she was working with them. Okay, so they have this little EM wave measurement, you put your thumb on it, mm -hmm. and you start meditating, and then there's a sound, and it shows you if you're in your mind or in your heart with the energy, okay? Mm. I like to do that, and I have always problems with it, or I had to, I had problems with it. Because I'm like, they're showing you, you center your energy in your heart, okay? That's where you're supposed to center it. Nothing happens there for me. But when I go to the eighth chakra, it bings all the time and it lights up. So I learned that people have maybe their energy in different centers. 
for me, it's definitely up there. I have to definitely focus on being grounded in the world. That is not easy to me. Mm -hmm. That doesn't come natural. Going up there it happens naturally to me, but I have to focus on being grounded in the world. So this is different for everybody, you know. So I don't think that that would be the last part of your question. Do we have to have all chakras aligned and open and perfect in order to connect to the Akashic Records? The answer is no. I can promise you that when you have a problem, when you feel desperate and you go in the Akashic, that's the moment when you want to go in the Akashic Records, not when you're like all perfect, Om, you know, you meditated for an hour or you were fasting for three days. No, you don't have to do that. You can go there whenever you want, especially when you don't feel well. And I've heard you say that really like 90-something percent of the people who take your seminars feel that they are successful in being able to access the Akashic Records. So it's good to get that out there because some people might think, well, this sounds interesting, but I wouldn't be able to do it. You know, the seminars are usually four days if they are in person or eight weeks if they are online. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> I always say to my students at the end, I say, if I would only focus on you guys when we meet the first time, I would never teach another seminar again. So I have to really remember what they look like at the end. <laughs> and um, now what I do is at the end, I ask them and I have videos of that. What would you tell yourself if you would be on the beginning of the seminar again, just so the next students can see, okay, I don't have to be desperate. I know the process will take me there. And it's amazing what people are saying. Like I have one miracle after another, I can sleep again. It's physical changes, you know, relationship changes. They are very open and honest. I do my best to be open and honest with them. You know, I'm not a guru. I don't want to be called a guru. I have my own challenges. Not bad anymore today, but I'm a human being. So I go through my processes and I share it with them because I want them to know we are on one level. I think this is really important that we can trust each other. And yeah, I'm very proud of that, that we get I would say 99% of the people, if not 100%, at the end of the seminar say, yes, I'm connected to the Akashic Records and I can't wait to continue. And generally people experience that um, their ability to do this is ongoing as long as they practice it. They can check yeah. in a year later and they're still doing it. Yes, I do offer my students a private Facebook group Mm -hmm. where they are all, you know, whoever finished the seminar gets added to that if they want to. So they have exchange partners. You know, it's a group where everybody knows the basics of the seminar and they don't have to talk around it or explain things to them. And they are super active there. I love it. They like, I want a reading on Friday at 5 p.m. Who has time? And then mm -hmm. people are answering. And that makes me happy. I think that's important that you have a group where you can just be yourself and find other like-minded people to exchange with. 
but you can do this on your own too. You don't need a reading from oh, somebody no. else. Like you can just sit alone and check in, oh, right? Of oh yeah. yeah, you should do it for yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's fun also to you know to go first in your own akashic records and then hear it from someone else because. Most of the time, I think it will be a confirmation of, of what you received. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, even if they say the same thing, they say it a little bit less unfiltered, maybe, because they don't know if you're really sensitive about the subject. Yeah. So they use a different kind of word or that triggers something in you, and then you can let go. So I think it's fun to receive readings from others. Yeah. There's another saying in Sanskrit, which is Ritambara Pragya, and it means that level of intuition or intellect which knows only truth. I think it's from the Yoga Sutras. So with the truthfulness of something, the kind of a litmus test of whether or not it is really from the Akashic Records. I don't think so. <laughs> like, you, What if you come up with something that you say is from the Akashic Records and it's completely bogus? I mean, then you would think, well, that couldn't be from the Akashic Records. I, let me explain it to you like this. I have had readings where they would tell the ultimate purpose, I think, for this energy to get some things through is for you to have an energetic shift. So what we as human beings would call 100% the truth, I've seen things where I thought, hmm, why are you saying it like that? That doesn't sound truthful to me. Yeah. But it, it totally had the effect on the student or the client, you know? So I don't know if it's like in our human, if, I don't know if it would always hold up to an American judge. <laughs> or a German judge even <laughs> or German judge let me say it like this I think there is a different purpose behind it yeah. and it's about moving walls moving barriers so I'm not saying that they are lying on purpose or giving misinformation but I've had a few times where they were withholding information like they are showing me as the reader that there was sexual abuse with the client. Mm -hmm. And then they're saying, don't say it. The moment I would say it, something would close that person. So then they're talking around it or they're giving it samples or they're talking about something else first before we actually get to that subject. So I don't think it's a, measure, a, a truth measurement. Sure. That's a good example. But what about actual objective events? For instance, I heard you mention in one of your talks or interviews about a group you're working with, and you did an exercise where it was like, let's see what it was like to experience the moon landing as Neil Armstrong experienced it, who was the first man to step on the moon. And you mentioned that some of the people in the group have the conspiracy theory that the moon landing was faked. It was just staged in Hollywood or something like that. Now, there's plenty of evidence that people did actually get to the moon. So would doing the Akashic Records exercise convince those people who thought the moon landing was fake that it was actually real? I mean, there would be an example of something that's true. Could you continue to hold an erroneous idea about it, even though you had sort of tapped into the Akashic Records to have an experience of you know, what that Neil Armstrong had? Can I tell the story? Because yeah, please. 
there is a real nice twist at the end, which was okay. the America. So I did this seminar in Germany. And in America, I asked this question several times already before. In Germany, I've never done it. And um, it was the end of that one day and I still had time and I wanted to do something fun. So I thought, let's do this exercise. And the exercise is we all go in our own Akashic records mm -hmm. and everybody asks the same question and then we compare the answers. Um, because if we are all in the Akashic records, the answers should more or less match up. So I asked, let's all go fly with Neil Armstrong to the moon and ask, What did he think or feel when he stepped with his first, the first time with his foot on the moon? And then, oh my God, the protest came. And I was like, okay, should I stop this? And I was asking and they say, no, continue, continue. And I'm like, okay. And I said, guys, just humor me. Let's do it. <laughs> so we did it. And at the end, Nobody remember, I mean, nobody said anything anymore about the protest. Maybe there were still some, but they didn't say anything. And by protest, you mean there were some people who thought the moon landing was Correct. faked or something, yeah. They didn't believe in it. Yes, right. nobody mentioned that anymore. And everybody was just like, wow, big, grand. And some people would use the F word like, oh, what the, I can't <laughs> believe it. And then... People, some were sharing that he also felt very humbled, you mm -hmm. know, like, wow. And one small step for a man, one giant step for all mankind. Yes. So everybody said. was happy. And I said, okay, then that's it for today. And then mm -hmm. one woman stood up and she said, I just want everybody to know that my father worked as an engineer on that space shuttle. And we moved for that from Germany to the United States. And I was there when it got launched. So she and was telling she, me that it, that it was a real thing. Yeah. Well, she said, I don't know where they landed, but I know they got shot up in the air. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that was just like the icing on the cake. You can't make something like that up. It just was so wonderful. It's nice that she was there. Yeah. Yes. Well, on this theme, let's talk about this a little bit more, because these days there are a lot of conspiracy theories flying around, and uh, it's crazy, you know, QAnon and all kinds of things, people are conspiracy theories and thoughts about the pandemic and all kinds of stuff. There was a U.S. senator named uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, and, and he was quoted to have said that everyone is entitled to their own opinions, but no one is entitled to their own facts. I heard you talking in some interview about, well, you know, we should make up our own mind about things. We should collect information and look at it from this perspective and that perspective and just come up with our own opinion or our own perspective or something. But I have a little bit of trouble with that because that's what science tries to get around is, you know, there were all kinds of nutty opinions in the beginning of when the scientific method was founded about 400 years ago. And science attempted to become a method that would establish what is actually true as opposed to what the church says or what some in what science, somebody's opinion was you know in science you have to have more than one result exactly and no. it has to be replicated yes. and yes. repeated and and nothing is ever considered to be absolutely true because it could always be refuted there could always right. be some contrary evidence 
So these days, there's all this stuff that people believe. And there's this kind of relativism, you know, where people think, well, that's what you think, but I think this. But there's got to be some truth to the matter on many of these topics that is, that is what it is, regardless of what people think. Hopefully, this point I'm making relates to the Akashic Records, and you can give us your spin on it. If you took a whole group of people, let's say, who, who ascribed to a lot of conspiracy theories that, in fact, weren't true, could you work with them? And by enabling them to access the Akashic Records for a long enough period of time, would their thinking change with regard to these things? If they actually were asking the Akashic Records about, you know, what is COVID really, or, or what is, you know, this, that, or the other thing that people spin conspiracy theories yeah, about? I actually did that. Okay, great. Uh, Let's hear about that. Right in the beginning with the lockdown in mm -hmm. March, I mean, I'm teaching online seminars for many years, not just yeah. now because of COVID, probably 10 years. Anyways, yeah. it's a German class and it's on YouTube and it has over 100,000 views. The seminar is set up in eight meetings and every time it builds up on to the other. That was after the first meeting. So they had just learned how to access their Kashik records. And at the end, it's three hours for one setting. At the end, I said, this is voluntarily. If you want to, we can ask a few questions about the coronavirus. And almost everybody stayed on. It's 100 people. I recorded it, and we didn't even know what questions to ask. First, we talk about what questions to ask, and then we all asked the same questions, and we compared our answers. I don't remember what questions we asked, like if we have to be afraid of it, if it's a real virus, and things like that. And everybody gets the same answers. You do not have to be concerned about it. It is a real virus. You don't have to be concerned about it. You have to now elevate your vibration. So they didn't talk about scientific facts or face masks at that point or anything like that, but they all gave us the energetic impression of that we are safe and we don't have to panic. It's like a storm. When a storm comes, you go inside, you close the door and you wait it out and then you go back out again. Mm -hmm. So that was the energy, the impression we received. So yes, this is absolutely possible. Yeah. I mean, it depends also on the questions you ask. In that interview, in that session, we asked more emotionally based questions because we all didn't know what was happening. It was in March 2020, you know. It would be cool to do this again now. In my personal opinion, not the Akashic Records, okay? I think there's a lot of ego going on. Everybody wants to be right right now with their theories. Anything that happens in life, whether you get a million dollars or a disease or the virus, is bringing out of you that what already exists, so if someone is more pessimistic, of course they will go to the conspiracy theories because they don't trust anyone anyways. Why would they all of a sudden have a different approach to that? So everything is a magnifier. Everything that happens to you is being magnified and brings that out what's already inside of you. So I think a lot of people have 
an egoic journey right now. And this is the awakening everybody's always talking about. We either go down with the ego now or we go up. <laughs> and we elevate our vibration. It's one or the other. It doesn't matter if it's the election or the coronavirus or anything else. Um, that is my personal opinion. Let me see what they have to say. They're saying it a little bit like this. I don't know if this will make you happy, but um, everybody has their own challenges in life, whether it's a health issue or a financial or a relationship issue. Now, this is a challenge of on a global level, but it's nothing other than, you know, all the other challenges we already deal with just now on a global level. So we all use the same vocabulary for it um, and we all goes through that together. They're saying uh, the human race is very resilient. You will come out of that again, but you will be changed. That does not make me unhappy. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I didn't makes sense like to me. <laughs> I just thought you, you're looking maybe for more specific answers or something. No, like that's, that. that's really good. You're mentioning fear and panic and stuff. You know, obviously... There's nothing really to be gained through fear and panic. I mean, being cautious, perhaps, or sensible, or you know, taking advice of experts, that might be good to do. Um, but the experts aren't saying you should be terrified. They're just saying, you know, do these basic simple things and you'll be safer. But anyway, we're getting a little bit off track. But I just wanted to get on, just hit on this point a little bit about, you know, like there are people who argue masks aren't any good. You don't need them. They're infringement on your freedom. But there's scientific evidence that they, they are effective if worn properly. So I'm just wondering whether access to the Akashic Records can enable people to think more, I would say, sensibly about some of these controversial topics. Um, and there are, of course, many things which are matters of opinion. But then there are other things which are really kind of objectively true, regardless of what people's opinions about them are fire is hot, ice is cold, stuff like that, and many other things that, that science has given us a fair amount of information about, the moon landing, for that matter. It's not really a matter of opinion. So I'm just wondering how, whether this Akashic Record practice kind of enables one to align one's thinking with more objective reality. I'm asking specifically if they what they can say to us now about face masks, for example. Is that yeah, as a, just as a case in point? Okay. And obviously, you don't need to wear them while you're walking in the woods with your dog, but you know, maybe in a shopping center or something. So they're showing me that um, the face masks are not the issue; it's the fear that is behind it. So they're saying they have a purpose just like wearing a seatbelt. And when that got introduced, there were a lot of people against wearing a seatbelt too. Mm -hmm. Or wearing a helmet if you ride a motorcycle, you know. So they're saying that is the precaution that you can choose if you want to be kind to the person next to you. And then they're also saying that 
we have an obligation towards our neighbors. And they mean this, you know, not literally, but in general, they're saying we have an obligation. You don't want to make your resistance or your anger into a spiritual journey. Meaning if you're resisting regular precautions and measurements, health measurements, that you would endanger someone else. A good thing I think they're showing me is like, I think they call it in English, the plague, you know, yeah, like we had a hundred, some hundreds of years yes. ago. And yeah, a, a simple thing was hygiene, like washing your hands, getting um, back then all the bathroom, you know, everything would just run out into the street. They started to say, okay, this doesn't work anymore. We have to find a different way to deal with that. So hygiene, it's nothing other than that. It's a hygiene thing. Right. And but, with regard to the plague, initially there were all kinds of conspiracy theories about it, like evil spirits were causing it or the Jews were responsible, you know, things like that. And that wasn't the scientific truth. Pardon? You need a scapegoat. People who live in fear, they need someone or something to be blamed so then they can feel empowered. And I think that is the root of all these problems we are having mm. that people live in fear and they are looking for someone or something to be the bad guy. So then they can feel empowered. In other words, people who are spiritually not very much evolved, they need to find something to push against yeah. and then externalize feel, the problem. Right, and then they can feel their own barriers and their strengths and their power. Where if you are spiritually involved, you listen to someone, you say, hmm, I can see some truth in it, but it doesn't really resonate with me. And you let it go. And then there's no issue there. And they're saying, and that is what we are experiencing right now. You see it on both sides, which is the danger. And one example would be, Black Lives Matter. You see it on both sides. Even if you tend to be for one side, they are just the same pushing against it instead of looking. As, let me say like this. As long as you look at the problem, you cannot get to the solution. You can only find the solution if you know the problem and you're willing to go beyond it. And that is right now not the case. Yeah. And I think another word than beyond would be go to sort of a, a deeper, more fundamental level, because a lot of problems are symptomatic of something that is out of alignment at a deeper level. And so if you can create some that that alignment, uh, it's like, let's say the, the leaves on a tree are withering. All right. Where's that problem coming from? Okay, the roots aren't getting enough water. So you go to a deeper level, the roots, and then the nourishment comes up and then the leaves are green again. So I think that's true of many, many human problems. It's perfect. Give me one second. I give you, I show you something to really make it visible. Okay. Great. Thanks. I explain it like this to my clients. Mm -hmm. This is us today. Okay. Yeah. As long as we try to find the solution on this level, we're never going to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. The problem is somewhere here. (laughs) 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 It's inside of us hidden. So right. we have to find a way to address the problem here to feel happy here. 
So I think the problem is not the mask, and this is not about wear one or not. It's about there is a fundamental human problem that many, and not all, but that comes really to the surface now. And I feel the coronavirus matches this problem. And I liked what they said about consideration for one's neighbors and all. I'm reminded of my father. He used to have all these sinus problems and he smoked, he chain smoked cigarettes. So he'd be chain smoking his cigarettes, complaining about his sinuses and then say, oh, it's the weather. I can't stand this weather. You know, it's too humid or something. <laughs> it's like obviously pointing a finger at, <laughs> and people that's just an example but that happens a lot with kind of people having problems and then ignoring the obvious cause which is right here at home yeah i and that, may i take it to one more step at least for me it's like i think people need to understand that everything is connected yeah even if we can't see it but what we do here affects uh, affects the whole world and the other way around too. Mm -hmm. And we need to understand how connected everything is in order to live. And here's the magic word in balance. Yeah. And we are so out of balance right now. Absolutely. Um, well, this leads into a whole area, another area I want to talk to you about, but it'll be related to this. Um, you know, you're talking about everything being interconnected and, you know, all the, we're talking about all the, the sort of, tumultuous circumstances in the world today. And a lot of people have been predicting for decades that there was going to be a big shift in the world and that it was going to be chaotic, but that we would hopefully come out the other, excuse me, the other side of it and uh, everything would be a lot better. Um, so a lot of people now feel that, well, here it is. We're, we're going through that shift finally. And that's why things are so chaotic so I wonder if you or the you know, Akashic Records have anything to say about the big picture of what's going on in the world. Um, is this the big phase transition that people have been predicting? And um, where are we headed? And I, I know you don't like to, I don't, I don't think you like to predict the future or they like to predict the future, but you know, people might wonder, how long is it going to be chaotic? Is it going to be like this for the rest of my life or just for a couple of years? Or, and what it's, what's it going to be like when, when the dust finally settles down again? Okay, there's so much to say. I repeat myself a little bit now, but this is the awakening. This is it. We either understand it now and we all jump on the same wagon <laughs> <laughs> Or I don't know, we have a civil war or something. I don't know what's going to mm, happen, but it's one, it's one or the other. So we want to learn to listen to each other. We want to, to understand that social media is not news. It's so manipulated. Everybody is a little dull. We have it's beautiful that it exists. We can use it for a lot of things, but they have to change something because everybody thinks they are right and they're just getting to see the things that support their belief system already because they are being analyzed so much or we are being analyzed so much. Have you seen The Social Dilemma, that new yes. documentary? On, you saw that? Yes, I, I just started watching it last night. I'm about half hour into it, but boy. it's Everybody it's really... has to watch it. Everybody. Yeah. 
I mean, that should be mandatory to see it's, things. It's on Netflix for those watching, listening, The Social Dilemma. And Sam Harris just interviewed Tristan Harris, who is um, one of the main guys in that documentary. But it's all about how social media manipulate us and use all kinds of algorithms and mathematical you know, analysis to reinforce our prejudices, really. Yes, and only show you what you already believe or what you want to have confirmed. You know, whether it is true or not doesn't matter. So it is important for us. And the danger is that people are watching it and they think, oh, it doesn't apply to me. <laughs> you know, because I think it applies to all of us. Nobody can say 100% that they are not being able to analyze you and predict you and show things to you. Yeah. But that's one thing. So it is really for us, it, important for us to have conversations like this, for example, but mm -hmm. also with your friends and to allow other people to say what they feel and also to keep the conversation going. To quote Dylan, something's going on here, but you don't know what it is. A lot of people feel intuitively, viscerally, that a big shift is taking place. I heard you say in one of your interviews, in fact, you did this in January of this year before coronavirus had, had hit. And um, some guy was asking you about what you foresaw or what the Akashic Records foresaw for the coming year. And I thought, okay, this will be amazing if she says big epidemic, but that didn't come out. But they did say, well, there's a, an almost a doubling of energy. The energy is really increasing. And that really feels true. Yes. As a matter of fact, people are saying that they're dreaming more, their dreams at night are more intense and vivid, and everybody seems to be going crazy, or not everybody, but all hell's breaking loose, so to speak. I remember that interview with Nico Balchowite, and it right. was, they said 2020, like you when you have perfect vision, 2020, and that's our year. So everything is being clarified, cleaned up. Shaken up. Yes. And, you know, when you clean something first in your sink, first it gets really dirty. And yeah. then eventually the grease resolves and you have the clean dish there. But you said you asked another question earlier in regard to the future and will this chaos be now forever? I think this is up to the individual hmm. because if you have 10 people there and they all have the same horrific experience, Four or five people, they totally recover and they see the silver lining of this experience and they say, wow, I mean, I wish I wouldn't have ex had experienced that, but because of that, I'm better now. Yeah. And then you have some who always talk about this and they cannot change their hard drive, so to say. They keep on going back to this and keep on talking about it and reliving it. And I think it will be the same thing here with this pandemic, not only in regard to the virus, but in regard to what happens as a result of it. Like if people lose their home or their employment, we can't even imagine the long-term effects of all of that, what's going to happen the abuse some people experience being locked up at home, physical abuse, emotional abuse. I mean, there's so many yeah. things going on under the and surface. There's the fires in California and tens of thousands of people are losing their homes and there aren't other homes for them to go to. I mean, it's easy to be very abstract if we live in Iowa or North Carolina and everything's nice and comfortable. But boy, a lot of people around the world are really going through it. 
maybe this is what you were saying earlier about broadening one's perspective. There's a saying, another saying in Sanskrit, which is, it goes, Vasudev to Kumbhakam, and it means the world is my family. And you begin to feel that. And um, you can't just isolate yourself from what's happening everywhere it will, else. It will affect us. It will yeah. be like a global movement. People will move away from areas because they can't live there anymore and other areas will be congested. Like I live in the Smoky Mountains. You know, the population has doubled in the last five years in our little mm. town wow. because a lot of people from Florida are coming up here. They're tired of the hurricanes or of the constant flooding, <laughs> which they don't even talk about anymore in the news. You know, if the houses are just underwater from a regular rain or something like that, so it will affect all of us, and we have to look at this as we are all in this together. Yes, that's the and phrase people use right these now, days. now we are not going in that direction. Yeah, there's too much fragmentation and divisiveness. Mm -hmm. One point which I haven't really thrown out yet, which I think you could easily comment on in this context. You know, there's that old saying that there's some kind of the, the Chinese word for crisis contains a character that means opportunity or, or, or something like that. I sort of feel like, yes, a big shift is happening in society and a lot of things are breaking down. But I also feel like equally, there's, like you said, there is a great awakening taking place. So there's, on the, on the one hand, an upwelling of spiritual awakening. And on the other hand, a dismantling of all kinds of things, apparently, which perhaps which do not resonate with a higher consciousness. Maybe that's what's happening. But I think if a person has a spiritual inclination, this is actually a great time to make a lot of progress. Yes. And there's a beautiful song, like I know it from my childhood or my teenage years. And it's like, if I translate it, it's like, if I would know that the world would go down tomorrow, I would plant a little apple tree today. Well, that's nice. <laughs> and I love that. And I think we have to have hope. I think we have to remember it doesn't matter what other people are doing. We don't have to all 100% be on the right side of the scale yeah. in order to be in balance. So energetically, we can do a lot and raising the vibration and also understanding, caring. I wish people would look more at what can I do rather than how can I fix it. What I can do to improve myself, you mean? Yeah. Right. You know, how can I change? What can I do right now? How can I walk my talk? Who can mm. I help today? You know, what can I do instead of just looking at what can you do to fix it? Or, uh, <laughs> like, or the politician or anyone like that. Yeah. So people don't understand how much power they really have. I remember you saying in some interview, you were kind of lamenting the fact that you heard some talk show host <laughs> talking about starting to drink early in the morning, you know, and how much more they're drinking because of the, the lockdown or something. And, and you were sort of saying, what a missed opportunity. And what a poor example to set. You remember that? Because obviously this, this could be an excellent time to go within or to meditate more, or to access the Akashic Records more, or to sing devotional songs or whatever floats your boat. It's like a forced spiritual retreat that we're on. Yes. Actually, I remember that I said that 
I like this talk show host and I feel for her. I feel compassion for her because she's going through a rough time right now. Was oh, that Ellen DeGeneres? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's a meditator, by the way. A friend of mine instructed her in meditation. I, I, she's probably not sitting around drinking all day. Well, that's what she projected on the screen. And yeah. that's probably making a joke of it. Well, it doesn't matter. It's not about her. It was an interesting time to because we got a window into people's personal life mm -hmm. where they weren't always being instructed on what to say or what to do. It shows you that a lot of people who are being put on a pedestal are just very human, and I think that's a very healing experience. Yeah. I might as well ask you this question. This came in before the interview. I don't know if we have a live audience or not right now because nobody has sent in a question. But um, this is from Jana in Connecticut. Um, she says, she asks, um, the first time I heard of the Akashic Records was as a child in the 70s reading about Edgar Cayce. He said that many records from Atlantis would be rediscovered and it would have a major effect on our world, such as the use of sound for healing and crystals for unlimited energy. What do you think about this? I don't, I, how are we going to see this happen soon? They were saying we're seeing it already. Maybe not everything has the subtitle Atlantis, but you do see these ancient things of sound and healing coming mm -hmm. more to the surface. And many of these modalities originate from that era. So, yes, we're seeing it already. Okay, good. So I have a printout here of the different levels of the course you teach, mm -hmm. level one, two, three, four. And I highlighted a few of the things that jumped out at me. We already talked about accessing your own Akashic records. Here's one thing you say. This is actually in level one. Contact ancestors and loved ones. Presumably you mean people who have passed over. What are some examples of that and what form does that contact take? We do an exercise. Actually, this is a very easy thing once you know how to do it. They love to talk to us. Now, just because Uncle Fritz or Aunt Emma died doesn't mean that they are all of a sudden having the Holy Grail <laughs> and they have all the spiritual development within them. So that's not necessarily the purpose of any of these exercises. But the answers they or the messages that they convey is usually and please forgive me if they've done something that's not okay or that was painful they ask for forgiveness yes yeah um then the other message is don't worry so much everything is okay uh -huh. this applies to most of us if not all of us okay mm. we worry way too much about things that are not important Then the next message is, you are just so loved. We love you so much, more than you can ever imagine. And the last one is, have more fun. Enjoy <laughs> life more. <laughs> You're taking it way too dead serious. Mm -hmm. So these are the general messages that comes through. There are a few examples I can give you. I gave a reading to a client once. I did not know anything about him. I've never seen him before. He came to my house, which I don't do anymore, so nobody has to ask that. <laughs> and he asked about his son. I asked in the Akashic Records, 
And I don't talk like that, but all of a sudden they started to talk to me like, I want to say like in the ghetto language. And I did all these hand movements, you know, and I talked to him like that. And he says, that's exactly how my son used to talk. That was important for the father to recognize that actually there is a connection and that he can trust it. And then the father told me that his son got killed in a fight with other, I don't know, gang members or what it was. He always felt very guilty that he didn't get his son out there. The son was just, it's all okay, dad. I'm happy. I'm in heaven. I didn't have to go to hell. Let's say it like that. He just let his father know everything is fine. Don't worry so much. And I'm okay. And that was a huge relief to his father to just feel like, okay, now I know where my son is. I know you understand um, the way reincarnation works pretty much. I am also totally in tune with that understanding myself or comfortable with it. People sometimes ask, well, how come these people are still hanging around so that we can contact them? Why haven't they reincarnated already or have they? And yet somehow, even though they have, we can still talk to them on the other side. I think we, I mentioned it earlier already, but in a different context. But like, that. You said like a certain percentage. Yeah, exactly. So there's a certain percent that comes here in this human experience, but the soul part, it's not everything. It's not all that we are here. Mm. So on the soul level, of course, we can communicate with that other part. I like to explain it with the reincarnation, like think of a timeline. And as a human being, we have the timeline birth and death, and then it ends. But the soul has a longer timeline, you know, Mm -hmm. and then the soul goes up and down and there is human, human birth, human death, but the soul continues. So there is no ending and no beginning Maybe it goes on vacation when we are um, on human level, you know, we croak, we deceive. (laughs) So, of course, we can connect to past lifetimes because on a soul level, it's all one continuous lifeline. It's not just um, cut up to one human experience. So, of course, we can connect to different past lives and get information regarding that. Would it be like this? Let's say, like you're saying about the soul, it's this continuum. And we take physical birth and that one ends and then we take another one and that one ends. But the entirety of the soul is not encapsulated in each individual birth. So even though this guy whose son was killed in a gang fight may have been, that son may have been reincarnated, a good portion of his soul is still in some kind of higher realm or something. And therefore, the guy could communicate with them even though he may have been reborn as a kid in Africa or whatever. They're saying you, you captured it correctly. Okay, good. <laughs> it wasn't the case in that example that I gave, but yes, that's yeah. how it works. That's what I figured, but I wanted to see what you'd say. You also say in course one, I'm just picking out a few main points from each level of each course level. You also say retrieve information regarding any given event from the past, present, or possible future. And we've already covered this a little bit. And you did emphasize the point of 
not just knowing things out of random curiosity, but knowing the things that might be of some significance or value for our growth. But let's say there is something of significance or value to our growth that is from maybe the distant past. Well, past lives, we could talk about something that happened to you in a previous lifetime and you were killed in some circumstance and it's influencing the way you function now or that kind of thing. So I understand from what you do that you kind of tap into that sort of information and it helps you to heal or resolve it so that past situations like that no longer handicap you in this life. Yep, you come to the root of the problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you so, come to the root, you, you get to the root of the problem so today you can live totally, you know, yeah. happily after. Yeah, let me give you an example with a past life. I gave a reading to a lady. She had a harp and she wanted to know, she has two harps, one antique one and one newer one. Mm -hmm. And she says, they're really expensive. I spent a lot of money. I get lessons. You know, she gets them tuned once a year. Someone has to specially fly in or whatever, but she doesn't really enjoy playing it. So we asked in the Akashic Records what the harp, why she has that and what she can learn from that. And they showed me immediately a past life. She was in a household. She was a child to an extremely wealthy family and she was very sick. And they show me this huge room and her tiny little bed in one corner. The room is dark. And then in the other corner is her mother and she's playing the harp. And the mother was not allowed to go to her daughter because she was so sick. So she associated the harp playing with I'm loved. My mommy is here. I'm cared for. I'm loved. And so she carried that with her into this lifetime. You know, that feeling of, okay, I'm still loved. I'm still cared for. And then I didn't know anything about her harps. So they're usually... I don't get in the Akashic Records, oh, this was 1587 or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But they showed me the time period, not the year, but like the time period of that experience. And then she says to me, my antique harp is from that time period. Wow. The 1500s? No, it was um, 17 something, but... Ah you know, was like that time period. And it was really amazing that she says, oh yeah, my harp is from that time period. So once she um, had this recognition or cognition while reading the Akashic Records, it resolved her drive to try to learn the harp, which she didn't enjoy anyway. She just gave up on trying to learn it or something. No, actually in her case, she said, okay, now I can just play for joy. I don't oh. have to. Like sit there and be like, oh, I need to do this or <laughs> spend money on that. Now she felt like, okay, I felt like more love, more joy mm. for the instrument, you know? And then she's, I mean, she said to me, she said, okay, I just sometimes play for that little sick girl that was in the bed all alone. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, a question came in from Helen in London. Helen asks, um, can people be accessing the Akashic Records without realizing there are? Oh, this, this reminds me oh, of a question I wanted to ask. She said, could it, could it just feel like intuition or insight? Oh, I, I totally believe that. I mean, there are different methods on how to connect to the Akashic Records, not just the way I do it. Edgar Casey, for example, he did it in his sleep. and someone like a trance, would write, yeah. Yeah, would write, we don't do it in a trance. We are fully... Mm -hmm 
conscious when we do it. People go in a fast or meditate really long, sometimes in, during sleep, that they get information from the Akashic Records. I think the difference is, Helen, that um, oftentimes it happens voluntarily and people don't know what to do with this information, not to know, they don't know how to communicate with it or ask follow-up questions where with the method that I'm using, you ask questions until you're satisfied or until they tell you no more. Mm. The question that Helen's question reminded me of is that, um, you know, a lot of people whom I interview and a lot of people who watch this show have had or are interested in having a spiritual awakening, which isn't just an enhancement of your individual life or a diminishment of your individual problems or anything, but it's, you know, along the lines of enlightenment or nirvana or that kind of thing, a real significant shift in your consciousness. It seems to me that, and you know, and also the, what the traditions all say is that once such an awakening has taken place, then you're kind of permanently functioning from the level at which previously you might have had to sort of tap into momentarily a, a little dip here and a little peak there, but it becomes your baseline way of functioning, and so it would seem that at that point, everything you think, say, and do is kind of an expression of that level of intelligence which one accesses if one is accessing the Akashic Records. So it's not something you have to specifically make a project of doing anymore. It's just your, your natural way of living. And so, you, you know, your, your, your intuitions and your desires and your impulses, they're all kind of very much aligned with kind of divine intelligence um, 24-7. It becomes a way of life. Yeah, natural way of functioning. Yes, yes. But there's also these aha moments. I taught a class here in my house when I moved here four years ago. I wanted to get the energy going. And I had a class in my house and I had eight neuroscientists. I'm sorry. Neurologists? Neurologists, yes, from Chicago. And they came here and they took my class. And then there were a few other people, like normal people, okay, (laughs) in the class. And um, the reason why I'm sharing this example is because they are all really well-educated and they understand more or less how the brain really works. So we did our first experiences with the Akashic Records. And all of a sudden, I never forget this, this was deep for me too. This one neurologist, he looks down and then he says to the group, I'm a little bit shocked because now that I have been able to look into that and have this connection, I have to reevaluate everything. And I think that is the best way you can really put it. Once you really understand that this is not just the thing you do, like brushing your teeth, but that this is a life energy that communicates with you, and not just through language, but through emotions and vibration, it kind of readjusts everything else in your life. And being a neurologist, it may have readjusted his whole understanding of consciousness, because I mean, a lot of 
scientists think that consciousness is created by the brain and that when the brain dies, that's the end of consciousness. But other people think that they've got it totally backwards, that consciousness is the foundation and it actually gives rise to the brain and everything else. So that could have been the reevaluation he was alluding to. Well, he didn't go into detail with that, but I'm sure there were a lot of beliefs he like re- had to reassess and think about if he wanted to still keep them or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's a question that came in from Amelia in Port- Portland, Oregon. Um, I am currently dancing with two painful lingering rashes caused by an allergic reaction to deodorant and a second one from a mosquito bite. I don't see this as caused by something I did. They were freak accidents. Yet, could the Akashic Records access how to heal more effectively and quickly? That could apply to any kind of healing. I give you a general answer first. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not good to give a reading if I can't actually talk to the person, get feedback. But in general, yes, of course. The Akashic Records can help you. I can give you many examples. If you want one, let me know. Should I share one? Sure. Yeah, please. Okay. So I had a client. She came to me and she had a rash on her fingertips. And, I mean, this literally happened in front of our eyes. Um, And she was asking if there's anything that she's allergic to or that she can do to heal this. And so they showed her that it had to do with the death of her husband. And the husband had bought a lot of books while they were married. And she let him buy it, but she didn't know what to do with it. After he died, she found out that the books were worth over a million dollars. Wow. So she had to catalog them in Mm. order to get them sold. And um, a lot of resentment (laughs) came up that he spent so much money. We always told her, you can't go on vacation or we can't do this. And then also she had to do all the work of cataloging them. Mm. So the masters and teachers gave her some advice, but just by her understanding that it had to do with that. I mean, by the end of the reading, we didn't look at the fingers, but by the end of the reading, you could tell that the fingers look already better. So the, the, it was like redness and roughness. It was already going back and it healed after that. Now with the woman who just asked this question, they're showing me the throat chakra and that she's holding in something that she is not saying to someone close in her, in her environment, some energy that um, it feels like she feels restricted in her energy and she needs to learn to speak up, to say yes. A no to someone else is a yes to herself. Mm-hmm. And she needs to feel comfortable with that. You mentioned you'd have to sort of have an individual contact with the person to really get into it. But do you still do individual consultations? Um, rarely. Rarely, mostly teaching groups. Yes. Yes. Okay. You mentioned in in level three of your course that you shift energy on the DNA level. And I've heard a lot of people in, you know, spiritual circles talk about 12 strand DNA and changing your DNA and all that. And I know that current scientific understanding is that DNA does change. It's not just um, set in stone for your whole life as was once thought. 
But I wonder if there's ever actually been any um, scientific verification of people changing DNA through some kind of spiritual thing, you know, some kind of electron microscope analysis of their DNA or anything, or if there's any verification that there's such a thing as 12-strand DNA. I don't know if you talk about that, but I've heard people talk about it. Or is that just one of these sort of new age ideas that are kind of unverified or unverifiable? That is a good point. Maybe I should change this into a clearer statement because mm -hmm. there is no proof right. on a scientific level that it changes the DNA. The only proof that we have is that actual people change their health issues. And that's why it's a change on a DNA or on a cellular level would be a better word. So I'm going to write this down right away. <laughs> <Change it. laughs> learning all kinds of new things today aren't you <laughs> yeah. and me too despite the difference of the words i gave a few examples already you do mm -hmm. see improvements of health yes and that's where you know something must change on a cellular level level four of your course is entitled how to feel one with god source creation This level four points sound more like what I was talking about earlier in terms of enlightenment or awakening or that kind of thing. Understanding the interconnectedness of all beings, which you mentioned earlier. Creating and maintaining your connection to God, oneness, source. And seeing the Akashic Record as part of this oneness source. So I think everyone listening to this can conceive of the oneness of everything. They have a concept of God and of source and of oneness. But it could be a far cry between that concept and the actual living reality of it in a visceral, day-by-day, -day, grounded way, where it's just, it's there as an ordinary way of functioning, whether you're walking in the woods or driving in traffic. So how does this course actually accomplish that if it does? Do people who graduate from this, not only know how to contact the Akashic Records, which they've been doing since level one, but do they actually, many of them, shift into some kind of state of oneness, which abides, which persists under all circumstances? Let me give it to you in a different context, because mm -hmm. this is all for the seminar. So in the seminar, people are learning to access their own Akashic Records and the Akashic Records for someone else to possibly, if they wish, give professional Akashic Record readings. Mm -hmm. So level four is for the professional Akashic Record consultant and, of course, for yourself too. So for me, as a teacher, I think it is essential to teach my students compassion, and that is not the best word, but to teach them to see their client not as flawed, not as broken. Because when you see someone as broken and in pain, you cannot change or help them to change their vibration to something else. So you, as the consultant, you need to be able to hold your energy on the level of the solution, on the level of the love. And the client is allowed to be in their pain body and everything. And you stay here and you help them to come there, to join you there or closer to that. Yeah. So 
that is what we are doing. And part of it is what they are learning. And that part is to, I call it, learn to see God in the other person, which is God is as a spiritual um, word, not religious word. No, I understand, yeah. And that is what I said earlier. We are all one. I'm not a guru. I'm trying to be on one level with the students, which I am. And that's the same thing is true for a reading. I want to say I hardly ever in a reading put something of myself in there, except when I feel that the client feels ashamed or insecure. And then I will share a story with them where I messed up, where I didn't do the best thing I could have done. Just yeah. so they see, I don't judge them. Yeah, and they don't put you on a pedestal or idealize you or something. They realize that, well, if you can screw up, then maybe I, there's hope for me because you know, you're pretty cool. But <laughs> I, it's, not I can... even, it's not even about the messing up. It's about the biggest thing I notice is that people feel ashamed of their mistakes or their flaws. And that's why they're so desperately trying to hide them. I just want them to know, don't feel ashamed. We all have something. If we don't have something anymore, we're not here. <laughs> so in order to do that, we're doing specific exercises where we can learn to see God in the other person, for example. To see the beauty in the other person. How can you learn that? That kind of doesn't seem like something that can be taught, but maybe it can. So. I mean, can you give us an example of how one could learn to see God in others? Well, the way we are, we are doing it in the seminar, I don't have to teach that. I just give them the exercises and they ask in the Akashic Records how they do mm -hmm. it. Because it's an individual answer for everybody. Yeah. It seems like a thing, that, though, that depends upon your level of consciousness. Sometimes people say, well, what would Jesus do? let's try to act as Jesus would act, but you kind of have to be Jesus to act like Jesus would act or to have Jesus's level of consciousness. Then you'll naturally act as Jesus would act. And you kind of can't fake a higher level of consciousness. It has to be genuinely attained. Do you agree with all that? Or am I kind of yeah, talking? In a I think, I think I know what you mean, but I feel a little bit different about that. Mm -hmm. I feel that whether in the Akashic records or in regular life, you can connect to an energy of a person you admire or, you know, doesn't even have to be true and channel this energy and be confident. For example, let's say Oprah Winfrey. If you wanted to, you could channel Oprah Winfrey and be for an hour this outgoing and <laughs> start, start giving away cars. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, I think you can do that. I don't think that you can necessarily hold your energy there permanently. To be a strain. Yes, you will you know, get... I, to try to be someone you're not. Yeah, and what happens when people do that is it's like a manic depressive. First, you go really high up and then you go really low down. Yeah. And you have to find a way to ground yourself and to catch yourself so you don't go down with your energy. And that happens often. That's why people in show business often have alcohol problems or drug problems because they're really high out there and then bang, they drop into a dark hole yeah. and they don't see the purpose of this. So 
I think in small, this applies to a lot of people, but in regard to your question with the fourth day of the seminar, mm -hmm. yeah, we work on what do I need to know? What can I let go of? What do I need to know about myself so I can see the beauty in someone else? So I don't yeah. have to judge them, for example. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I used to be a student of Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. He would always caution against what he called mood making. He said, you know, you need to be genuine. And if you are genuinely, if you're genuinely raising your level of consciousness, then you'll naturally be more compassionate and so on. But if you haven't done so and you just make a mood of it, then like you say, it's artificial, you can crash down from it and so on. But then there's people who say, fake it till you make it. And, uh, you know, and obviously you have some control over your, your behavior. You don't have to act if you have an impulse to act like a jerk, you know, because you're feeling impatient in a, in a store checkout line or something, you don't have to act on that impulse. So I think it kind of cuts both ways. There's, you know, there's a sort of natural transformation that takes place over time where you spontaneously act in a more appropriate way because you are just acting from a higher state. But then on the other hand, there can be discrimination and discernment and a, a growing ability to just not act on impulses, which you may still have, but they don't need to be expressed. Yeah, I think the problem is that most people are not aware of their emotions. They are mm. just reacting to something, either externally or internally, an emotion. So once you are aware of it and you can name it, I've, I, I notice that the moment you name your emotion, it already dissolves. Huh. Interesting. So you become aware of it. So you're just not acting blindly on it. You just yes. sort of shine a light on it. Yes. And yeah. the moment you say, wow, I feel nervous, you know, and insecure. So in that moment, you're already resolving it because you're not hiding it anymore. You're not pushing it away anymore. You're just like embracing it and shining light on it. Well... We've been going on for almost two hours, and that point we just made wasn't necessarily the grand finale that you might like to make. So how would you like to sort of wrap this up and leave people with the broad vision of not only what you have to offer, but life itself? I think the main message would be that people really can believe in themselves not doubt themselves so much, believe in themselves. And it has nothing to do with the Akashic records, but just to really believe in, I can do that. I'm bigger than that. You know, it's not the end of the world. Look at, look really for the next higher vibrational level. Don't try to be all the way up there. It's hard to get there and to stay there for most of us. Just go one step higher and feel, you know, what does the air smell like there? What can I do to really stay there, to really feel comfortable there? I think that will make a big difference for most people already. Good. Look for the solution. Don't try to keep on focusing on the problem, hoping that it goes away. Hmm. And what would they say? Rome wasn't built in a day or something. Spiritual development is a lifelong process as far as I'm concerned lifetimes yeah lifetimes process so yes. this is another important point actually marishi said this to me one time because i was always 
thinking about the future and not enjoying the present. He said, every day is life. You know, don't pass over the present for some glorious future. Fully appreciate and take advantage of what's going on right now. Yes. And then the future will be better. Yes, wonderful. Okay. How about giving us a little um, overview of what, how people can get involved with your work, if, you know, what sort of courses are there and uh, what can, obviously you have a website um, which they can go to, which I will link to from your page on thatgap.com. And, um, but you know, what's involved, um, how many classes are there, how many people are in the classes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, my website is my name, gabrielor.com. And um, you see all the levels, I'm, all the seminars I'm teaching in whatever language. Some are with a translator, um, English and German are without translators. And um, right now I'm teaching everything online, which works great. I have a team with me um, of supporters, depending on the class size. Usually there are like 100 students in one class. Um, English tends to be a little bit less. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> More Germans. Or French or Polish or whatever. They are always mm. sold out. English, I don't know. It's still, um, it's a miracle to me why this is, but hey. <laughs> Maybe this interview will get more English-speaking people because we're doing it yeah. in English. And... I'm very happy with, I over-exceeded my expectations. So mm. I'm just, grateful let's say it like that i never imagined anything of that what i'm living today so i'm very Mm. grateful i have nothing to complain about basically the reason why i'm teaching what i'm teaching is because it has changed my life it has transformed my life it has transformed the life of the people that i pass it on to and that is my main mission I want to put this gift into other people's hands so they can transform their life too. That's great. That's a natural human tendency, isn't it? Once you've found something of value, you want to share it. Yes. Once you're excited, you just look for the next person you can share it with, even if it's a stranger. Yeah. 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 Good. All right. Well, thank you, Gabrielle. Um, really enjoyed talking with you. And thanks to those who've been listening or watching. Sorry for the technical issues and the delay that those of you who tried to watch the live stream may have experienced, but we'll get that sorted out. You know, as I mentioned in the beginning, this is an ongoing series. So there'll be one next week and the week after and so on. If if you'd like to be notified of future interviews or conversations, go to batgap.com and there's an email notification list. You can also sign up on the Batgap YouTube channel to be notified by YouTube. And there's some, a bunch of other things at batgap.com that you might enjoy and find interesting. So just explore the menus and you'll find them. Alrighty, thanks. See you next time. Thank you.